Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome to another episode of the Backdoor Cut Podcast at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com, which is an awesome website if you haven't checked it out. We are the Memphis Grizzlies show on Dash Radio on the Nothing But Net channel. So if you're listening to us on Dash Radio, welcome to the show. We are Memphis Grizzlies-centric, but we're going to talk about the league at large, too. Uh, I am Sam. You can find me at the Barn Chief on Twitter. I'm joined by my partner in crime, but not one that would go rob the Capitol Mason, uh, he is Barn Burner Slim. Mason, besides the craziness going on in our country, how are you? Uh, well, you know, my Titans lost today, but other than that, full force on the NBA moving forward in college hoops. Uh, maybe get a chance to analyze some of these draft prospects a little closer. Uh, you know, since it looks like the Grizzly season might be headed that way to where we get to select early in the draft or maybe not i mean we're only two games out of home court having home court advantage in the western conference so uh, anything could happen uh excited to talk some grizz with you man yeah man it's been a weird week it's been a sad embarrassing week for the united states i don't want to talk too much about it i think everyone kind of understands what's going on i do however want to discuss the first amendment of the constitution for one maybe 30 seconds uh so in my daytime i'm a lawyer um and if you're not a lawyer you can also understand that the constitution uh, the First Amendment, which is the right to free speech, which everyone's familiar with because they always say it. But a lot of people don't understand it. Um, the, the First Amendment actually reads that Congress shall make no law uh, respecting and establishment of religion uh, or prohibiting the free speech or exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech of the press or the right of the people to peaceably assemble uh, and to petition government for redress of grievances. Um, you may note there that it says the, gov- or the government, Congress, shall not make a law prohibiting the right of free speech. What that basically means is the only thing that the First Amendment protects is the government as a totalitarian entity taking away your free speech. If the government swooped in and said, Donald Trump can no longer have a Twitter, he's the only person that can't have a Twitter, then you would have an argument that his free speech has been abolished and that there's a constitutional violation. So don't just say free speech because you think that's something that means something without actually reading the document that was executed by our forefathers in the 1700s when the country was started. Um, just, you know, fucking learn a little bit of history before you start talking. But Sam, what you don't understand is that this is a revolution, bro. <laughs> you got to be you got to be prepared to maybe get maced in the face and uh, not cry about it. 
it's it's all part of the game. I think once you know you guys are wearing buffalo horns um, and painting their face with like patriot American flags, then you're just sort of like everything's out the window. We're basically entering like purge territory. But that movie where everything's just kind of like uh, everyone just do whatever the fuck they want. But you know, don't cite a document. Um, as some sort of like history of the government, you know, and the rights that we have, which are great. I mean, obviously, that's what makes our country great is it has established it. And it's been adhered to ever since, you know, and there's arguments about whether it evolves and whether we can interpret the language literally in 2020 um, versus, you know, when it was written, you know, like the right to bear arms is a common one where people want gun control. Some people say, well, no, all that stuff. But it's important to understand all the stuff, and what it means. Um, and, uh, you know, whatever, people will be ignorant, but that's just something that bothered me this week. Yeah, I mean, absolutely embarrassing week, uh, but not as much for the Grizz. We uh, had three one games. And two. Had three games and went one and two. The first loss was to the Los Angeles Lakers in the second game of the uh, home two game homestand we had versus the Lakers, and the second game was ninety four ninety two loss. Uh, nothing to cry about, really. A valiant effort defensively, and again, it came down to the Lakers had LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and the Grizzlies. Didn't have any of their players, basically. We got this ragtag team that is fighting hard. Um, unfortunately, after the nice performance against the Lakers, we just had a dud of a performance against a Cleveland team that didn't have Darius Garland or Colin Sexland. So we missed out on the dynamic Sexland duo. Uh, and, I mean, that game, we just got embarrassed. And then we closed it out Friday with a win over Brooklyn. So, uh, Sam, where do you want to start with the the week that was? Yeah, one and three. I think oh and three would have been a disaster, is what Grizzlies fans are calling it on Twitter. And I get that. I mean, I don't really think I don't have any expectations at this point. Um, you know, a lot of our players are hurt. We you know, like if you look at the Grizz injury list; it's always hilarious because it's like half the roster. Literally, it's like seven or eight players um, consistently. Uh, hey, that that reminds me. So so there's something's gotten into you lately, and uh, each time you see that injury report. You yeah. just you, you respond with <laughs> each time it gets more and more outlandish. Some of the most outrageous tweets you've ever seen. So when you see those tweets from Grizz PR with all those injuries listed, I mean, it's six, seven players long at this point. Wh- what goes through your body and what what makes those words come out of your fingertips? What, what goes through my body is a deep sense of, of despair. Uh, and and I'm like, I like I just would love to at one point see that tweet and rest assured that day, well, I don't know. It may come. If that day does come, rest assured, my tweet will be nothing but rainbows and butterflies. So that's what I'm waiting on. It's it's what we in the business call a bit. You know, I got it going now. And and so um, with each passing injury tweet, I'm going to escalate a ridiculous scenario. Something might be physical harm. It might be harm to my wallet. It might be harm to, you know, just varying scenarios. I'm just trying to think about awful things that can happen to someone. Um, and that's how I feel. Uh, and, and, you know, Grizzlies PR has liked it a couple of times. I'd like to think that perhaps they're going through their day tweeting rudimentary stats and every now and then they see this absurd tweet, maybe it makes them smile a little bit. Um, but, you know, I can't take full credit. Jason Concepcion, uh, um, the, uh, of the, of the ringer who's actually not with the ringer anymore. I think he's with a, a different, uh, outlet now. Um, but he, he was doing that, uh, every time the Knicks made a stupid ass move, he would tweet out some absurd thing he was going to do to himself. Um, and I always thought that was funny. So I was like, now well, usurp that bit for this. All right, and those tweets, of course, can be found on Sam's Twitter. That's at the Barn Chief, and you can find me at Barnburner Slim. All right, Sam, sorry to interrupt you uh, about the week, but I just had to figure figure out where where those tweets were coming from. So back to you on the week that was. 
Yeah, I, I mean, at tits, we're almost 10 games in. We're not. You know, we're three and six on the season. And, and as, as Chris Harrington says, and what I am going to adopt, because it makes sense to me, is you can start extrapolating things about a team, you know, 10 games in. Granted, we have a lot of injuries, but, you know, we are where we are. We're hurt, and that's just the way it is. So we can sort of extrapolate what we look like without Ja, who only played two and a half games. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that's that's what, like six games, six and a half games, like the bulk of our season without Ja. Uh, at this point, we are 13th in points allowed, 27th in points scored. That's a 28th in offensive rating in the league uh, and 10th in defensive rating. So a, a fairly impressive defensive start from this team. Well, not start, but kind of finish. We really, really went in on their defense from the get-go. Uh, weren't stopping the drive. Um, weren't playing help defense. And I've noticed that we are all over the place defensively. I mean, our our defense is fairly swarming. We help. We I mean, we run shooters off the line. We make the ball swing around till late in the shot clock. Usually it's the worst possible shot um, that the offensive team can get. Uh, I've been very impressed with our defense so far. And, you know, credit to the coaching staff for understanding that's like the one thing we can control right now when we don't have the offensive firepower on the floor. Um, so that was something that jumped off the page when I went and looked at our season returns so far. Um yeah, I mean, we we held the Lakers to under 100 points twice in a row. And granted, the Lakers are OK with playing one of those in the mud games, but it's still impressive when you know the firepower that they have. And then even Cleveland, we held them to 94 points and holding holding the NBA team, no matter who they have to 94 points is tough to do. Um, and just to follow up with a few more stats defensively, we're second in the league in steals per game. We're third in the league in points scored off of turnovers. And then we've allowed the fewest second chance points per game. Uh, so really all the hustle stats are keeping us in it. And like you said, the defense kind of by necessity, um, we're, we've got Dylan Brooks, Kyle, Brandon Clark, and JV. So we're a little bit bigger than maybe we would like to be if we were at full strength, but maybe not. Cause I mean, we started Kyle at the three much of last season, but Although that lineup has been pretty bad, they're in the 29th percentile on cleaning the glass, which obviously 99 is the highest, so got a long way to go. And their overall net rating is minus 2.2. The starting lineup has been a source of frustration for a lot of Grizzlies fans, including Keith Parrish and Sean Coleman, two guys who just are kind of harp on the stats involving the lineups. And the reason is Kyle Anderson at the three, is ineffective when Brandon Clark and JV are down low because there's no room for him to operate. Uh, When he is excelling is when he is at the four next to JV, Gorgie, even Xavier Tillman, uh, who we saw kind of get the nod over Gorgie in the Brooklyn game, um, is a better fit for Kyle at the three. And honestly, this team, just the more spacing we can have on the floor, the better we're going to be. And in that Cleveland game, Jenkins just seemed like he was – not going to space the floor no matter what. Um, every lineup he tried it out there just seemed to get worse and worse. Um, but then to to his and the coaching staff's credit, the very next night, the rotation was completely changed and there was spacing on the floor at all times. We saw Tim Frazier inserted into the lineup to play a little point guard, take some ball handling duties away from DeAnthony Melton so he could thrive in that shooting guard, uh, just havoc creator type role. Um, so I know I just said a lot in regards to lineups. I know you have one thing you want to see, and that's more Bain. Yeah, Bain is having historic rookie shooting season. He's 19 of 39 as we sit here today. That's for good for 48.7%, so 49% on a good amount of attempts. 
Um, and he's 13th in the, in the NBA right now in three-point percentage. Um, he's one of two rookies uh, in that top 15. Uh, can you guess the other rookie in the top 15? Of shooting percentage. Three-point shooting percentage. And you have to have at least attempted like a certain amount of attempts. Um, give me a conference. West. A team you do not like. Is it uh, Halliburton? It's Halliburton. Okay. Yeah, Therese Halliburton is, is one slot above Bain. He, he is uh, taking one less three, but has made the same amount. Um, so wow. he's proven his worth shooting as well. And that was something we knew he was good at from college. The question was his shot was a little wonky, but that shit went in. Guess what? It's still going in. So that's that's kind of the – let's not overthink this to some degree uh, when it comes to shooting. Um, I mean, he, he he's like – every time he shoots it, I think he's gotten to the point where we're expecting it to go in. I don't know if we've honestly ever had a shooter other than Mike Miller, you know, this consistent – and this scary, and he shoots it quick. His shot cuts off quick. He's also a really great free throw shooter, so it makes sense. The form's good. If he gets his feet set, which he can do real quick, um, a lot of great transition threes. And, I mean, he, he gets that shot off real quick, and, it, I mean, it's going in. I, I've seen him make a couple off the dribble, which is promising. But, um, you know, Verno and all them make fun of him because of his, like, muscle man dribbles. Um, <laughs> he basically is, like, doing, like, a power dribble and jump stop every time he dribbles around. Look like me out there handling the ball. But. Uh, no, not that bad, obviously, but he, he, uh, you know, for an NBA player. Right. And so I, I think having him in there, you know, you notice every time I Zen, I watch his defender, his defender, people are aware they've read the scouting report and they're not helping off of them. Um, so I, I think that side of the court's been open. Uh, one thing you text though, speaking of lineups, uh, is that you want to get to a lineup of Tyus, Melton, Bain, Dylan, and Gorgie at some point, uh, is the premise there that you want to see kind of our most consistent point guard and our most consistent Big man in, in Gorgie, you could argue he's playing a little better than JV right now with our three best wings. Is, or what, what was the purpose of that lineup? Well, really, it could be Gorgie or JV uh, or even Tillman. I just, it's more about the wings, having your three best wing players along with your best point guard on the court. And I don't think there's any argument um, that Bain, Melton, and Dylan Brooks are our three best wing players. Um, the only other is, is really Grayson Allen right now, who, you know, we, we go back and forth on him. He, he's kind of getting a bad rap. But if you look at three-man combos, Grayson is actually in our best lineup that is rated by the uh, NBA in three-man combos. It's Grayson, Xavier Tillman, and Desmond Bain. So uh, when I see that and I see Grayson in a lot of these top combos, uh, my mind's kind of just perplexed because I'm thinking he's not playing well, but then I think back, and he hit a couple threes here in Cleveland, hit a couple against the Nets. So, uh, But my whole thing about that lineup is getting our best wing players in the game together and surrounding Valanchunas with shooters so there is space for him to work. Or Gorgie, uh, you know, he's a little bit different when he's in the game because he's more of a pick and pop and also a pick and, and like a quick roller. Like he might, he might roll and dunk it or catch a oop, whereas JV needs to catch a bounce pass and pound into you before he tries to lay it up. Yeah. Um, but it's all about the wings, and I, I would just like to see Melton, Bain, and Dylan Brooks in the game together at some point. I, I think, you know, the NBA, you want to go small. So even if it's with Kyle at the one, then I think defensively you have four guys that can switch um, if you remove Tyus out of that with, and replace him with Kyle, and then it doesn't matter who's at the five, even if it's Tillman at the five, you might be able to switch all five players. So in this season, why not try some things to see if you can find maybe a young death lineup or something like that? 
Yeah, it's obviously be the hope, be the gold at the end of the rainbow. Um, JV is ninth in defensive rating so far. Uh, he's allowing a lot better sessions. Yeah, he's he's a right below Drummond actually, who we know is a great rim protector. Um, was surprised to see him next to him, but 103 points over 100 possessions is great uh, over nine games. And I mean that you know he they, he is playing the drop defense. He is protecting the paint um, and and limiting easy layups. And, uh, and, you know, inhibiting drives to the rim when you see him standing down there. He's not really a risk to block your shot so much, but yeah. that's kind of why Brandon Clark's on the weak side and dunker spot on defense sort of and um, can kind of come over and get a weak side block every now and has been very active, looked a little bit better, more athletic the last couple games. Maybe he has come around his own, but his, like, legs vacillate, which is weird to me. Like, suddenly he's got his legs and then he doesn't the next game. I don't know what's going on. It's like a lingering injury. Well, but and, and, that's good, man. The numbers you hit on JV, I'm interested to see because when he's out there, I'm not thinking, oh, man, Valanciunas is playing great defense, you know. No, not at and all. I, and, shocked to see that. and I wonder if it's just a product of our schedule. I mean, we yes, we did play the Lakers, but we haven't really played a tough schedule. And we caught a lot of breaks where teams' best players are sitting out. Uh, you brought this up the other day. I, I don't think we played a game where a team was healthy. And granted, we have not been healthy either, but still maybe that's – I, I'm going to give that stat more than 10 games before I give it a whole lot of merit. <laughs> yeah, it's just odd. I, I feel like that's that's the that's that's uncommon. Usually we catch the opposite of breaks, right? Usually we you know end up playing the team at full health because they can come in and get what they feel like is a, a slightly easy win and still only play like LeBron or Kawhi 20 minutes, you know, like just yeah. blow us out kind of. Uh, and and because you're trying to bank wins early in the season. So that, that's been weird. It's something I've noticed. And that just might be the COVID season slash shortened off season slash. I mean, everyone's getting hurt. I don't know if it's just I'm hypersensitive to it um, or if it's like always like this, but uh, it, it has been something notable. Um, you like what you've seen from Tillman, uh, but you're not sure him and Gorgie can both play 20 minutes a night. JV's nearing 30 on this team. And then after you talk about this, about X-Man, I, I have a, a couple um, things I found about the minutes on the wings. Well, so with Tillman, it's – he's not out there overwhelming us with athletic ability and incredible plays, but the team performs better when he's on the court. And maybe it's just a happenstance that he's on the court at the time when the team's making these runs. But uh, although it's not spectacular individual play from Xavier Tillman, he makes the team better. So you got to play that guy. And what Jenkins did in the Brooklyn game was Gorgie, who, uh, you know, pl- give all the credit to Gorgie. He's been a different player than the guy we saw in the bubble. He was actually playing as well as you could have asked for from from your backup center. Uh, disregard that he's making seventeen million. You know, that's a Minnesota mistake. Once we're in the season, basically your money doesn't matter. It's just are you producing or not? And Gorgie was. He was doing everything we asked of him. Even even becoming a little secondary playmaker for the team. Um, so I thought it was bold of Jenkins to sit him for Xavier Tillman, who's only in his, you know, fourth game. I think he started with the Lakers and, but Tillman produced and the offense looked a lot better because we only played three bigs. Kyle slid down to that four position and it, everything just flowed a lot more. There's more ball movement. Um, and, and that's when our offense is, is at its best is when we're moving the ball, making the defense work, and getting cuts to the rims and, and attacking the rim on the swing. We don't have we don't have the capability to beat guys one on one. I mean, we're asking Kyle Anderson and Dylan Brooks to do that. They can't do that. That's not in their arsenal to consistently beat players one on one. 
Dylan's best catch and shoot. And we've asked him to take on this superstar role, which he's incapable of. And, uh, you know, it, it shows in the stats, obviously. But he, he and Kyle have both done an admirable job of kind of being the engines that make this team go. Um, but, yeah, Xavier Tillman got to be on the court. And I think Jenkins showed that he realizes that. And that is what this team is going to do moving forward. Obviously, we had the stuff with Valanciunas where he test he got notified that he tested positive or was in contract tracing at halftime of the Brooklyn game. So Gorgie then started for him, but we still kept the rotation of just three bigs. And I, I think that's the main takeaway is three bigs is better than four bigs uh, with the with the roster we have. Yeah, man, Tillman. I mean, he, he's only got a PER of eleven, uh, which I, I would have thought, I would have guessed higher. He reminded me of the kind of uh, DeAnthony, the the big man version of DeAnthony Melton, albeit less athletic. But in terms of like the eye test, just kind of like things look better when he's out there. And there's not one thing he's doing particularly well. He's just like, I don't know, moving the ball in the right way and, and being yeah. active and rebounding and just. It might be he just like looks active because he plays with such energy, uh, so he just kind of always looks like he's doing more than he is. Um, but no, I, I agree. I, I think the stats bear that out too that, he, that we've been good when he's on the court, and, and he's in he's in the, the top three three man combos on the team. So that says, and he's only played four games, and that's meeting qualifying minimums. So that's impressive in and of itself. And you know, I hate to sound. Uh, you know, whatever, but he, he might be that glue guy. I know we use that term frivolous, frivolous, frivolously, <laughs> whatever, but he might seriously be the glue guy and a guy who just makes the extra pass and it just exponentially makes the team better. Yeah, so it would seem so far in this limited sample size. And that's what, that's what we knew he was in college too. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's not surprising that it's bearing its way out here in the NBA. Uh, he's not trying to be someone he isn't and he never has been. And that's, I think that's what you're getting when you draft these, you know, three or four year college guys that play for intense coaches and like have a culture and a structure and like you're good at home guy too. He's a family, like he's been married for three years, got two kids. Like that's sort of, I know we like talk about that a lot, but I mean, it's like a maturity thing. When that happens, you're just like at a different stage of life than most 22 year olds. And what's really exciting is as the talent around him increases, it's just going to make those players that much better. So, you know, like hit that skill will translate. It's not like Dylan having to relearn a, a new role on the team, like moving the ball, playing defense and being a hustle guy. That shit translates no matter who you're playing with. Yeah, that's true. Uh, speaking of Dylan and the wings, that something you brought up is you like to see our three best wings play together, which are Melton, Bain and Dylan, um, which is, I think, kind of consensus, like who everyone thinks are the three best wings right now. Um, at this point, in terms of minutes played per game, Dylan Brooks leads all the wings at 30 minutes a game. Not surprising. Um, and then we kind of go to the the other wings. Uh, and uh, Desmond Bain actually is the second most wing minutes at 23 minutes a game. Right below him at 21 minutes a game is De'Anthony Melton. And then surprisingly, Grayson Allen is the least played wing um, of the wings that get minutes. Yeah. So that, that, that is not something I would have guessed either. I would have assumed that Grayson, because it seems like we start Grayson, right? So it seems like he, um, you know, gets more minutes than maybe he does. But we're seeing that Jenkins is going to the producers, um, the guys that are actually you know, making buckets consistently. Um, and, and, you know, not that Grayson ever makes like insane mistakes, but he, sometimes he could kind of be a nothing out there. Uh, so that I, I don't know if that'll continue to go that way this season, but it, so far, like we, as it turns out, you know, he's actually kind of doing what Grizz Twitter's calling for him to do. Are, are you surprised that Melton is below Bain? I mean, I know Bain's been great, but Melton was really good all of last season 
And even since he's been back from from his quarantine, it just doesn't seem like he's really playing that much. Yeah, I'm surprised by that. Um, it might have had something, obviously had something to do with the health and safety protocol thing. And then he sat that game, which is weird um, when like when he could have played. Uh, I don't really understand if that what that was. It like kind of remind, it reminded me of like a disciplinary thing, but no one said anything about that. Yeah, um, so that's what was weird about it because he didn't strike me as a guy that would have issues like that. He's shooting 44 percent from three on 2.3 attempts per game. Um, his shot has looked good. And uh, so that's that's what you want. Your, to answer your question, yeah, I'm surprised. I would have guessed that he got – I just would have guessed that he got more minutes. I'm super shocked that Bain has more minutes than him. Yeah. Um, having, and, wa- having watched these games, like it doesn't seem like it. And I know in that Nets game, Grayson checked into the game before Milton, and it's just like that, that doesn't mesh with anything that we're seeing or anything that the stats are showing. Like Milton is obviously better than Grayson. Maybe that was just a circumstantial thing, but – He's Melton has been exactly what we thought he was an injection of energy. As soon as he checks in, he had the, uh, the block on Anthony Davis and then the thunderous jam over Taylor Horton Tucker uh, in the Lakers game. And then we saw him dunk on Deandre Jordan and your boy, uh, justice Winslow was joined by John Morant and taunting one Deandre Jordan and pointing at him as they patted their head. Yeah, Uh, that was good. Uh, also, it's like that make you feel any type of way seeing Justice Winslow talking shit like that. I, I, I would tell you at first, I was like, "Oh, this is cool, whatever." I'm a Grizz fan, so I'm gonna like enjoy them talking shit. Uh, but then I thought about like, you know, put yourself in someone else's shoes, right? So I put myself in DeAndre Jordan's shoes, and I was like, "Man, I was just trying to make a hustle play on defense, and like, I got dunked on. Sometimes it happens. It wasn't even like he got like just flushed on or anything. He was just, like kind of there, but it wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't like posturization or anything. And uh, and then I got this dude. In Justice Winslow, who hadn't played any minutes, and he's like acting like he's like a, a like a league veteran, um, and he he hasn't played like hardly any minutes or really done anything of note in the NBA. Uh, he's been like the playoffs with the Heat as a starter, but you know what I mean. Like I, I don't know, I don't know if that's like necessarily what you want. Um, I respect it. Like I understand it's coming from a good place with Justice, but also like I'd be hating on his ass if I was anyone else. Like I mean, we all we saw LeBron. Make a comment. There's too many young guys in, in uh, street clothes on the bench uh, to you know, for his liking. They were talking a little too much. Yeah, and it was like a little bit of an ingest shit talking from Bron. But I mean, it, it's a thing, you know. And I mean, it's uh, too many guys in street clothes like are chirping, and that's uh, something that some of the players can hear. Um, yeah, I, I uh, new DJ in the stadium. Something worth bringing up. We uh, we text yeah. about that. That's something that you and you used to be an employee of the Grizzlies brought up routinely and you were looked at like two elderly white men uh, who, who had just no ability to have fun whatsoever. Um, and now they've, they finally, they probably just banked all of your ideas and then waited <laughs> like five years and now are executing all of them. Right. This slowly happening, but yeah. uh, shout, shout out to DJ Mike T uh, that going to be so fun on a weekend game when fans are back in there, like uh, having a DJ, I, we always had the inner in the DJ that was upstairs, but having one that you can see and just that's, it's not the same songs every night. He has the range to play whatever fits the moment. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And a lot of teams around the NBA do have the DJ in the arena. And it's something that our players have asked for for a long time. So I know that they're excited about it. And uh, I mean, the Tiger football games with Devin Steele on the sidelines, like that, that brought just a whole nother flavor of Memphis to a game. And it's just, it's unmatched. It's true. I mean, it's something that makes sense. Like having a DJ for a live sporting event, like it's a, something that a DJ would excel at, like having control of the music and understanding the mood of what's happening with the crowd. 
Like that's like what DJs do. So it makes perfect sense that they would exist in this environment. And it's crazy to me that like it would take this long to get it, but whatever, you know, like uh, as long as we get there eventually, I think that's what matters. And now we're seeing a lot of teams will wonder if the Grizzlies get there eventually are, are adopting like uh, essentially customer uh, like apps where you order your food, you know, you order your food mm-hmm. on your phone, you go pick up your beer, you go pick up your food. It's all um, app based instead of person to person contact. Um, so I think that's, you know, something we're going to see with a lot of the, you know, Silicon Valley teams are incubating all these things. Like the 49ers have like invested in a ton of startups in the sports industry. And we're seeing a lot of teams adopt that. The Hornets actually recently contracted to get that. So we'll see if the Grizzlies eventually move towards that too. Well, especially with, you know, the COVID stuff forcing all types of change. Right. Like it, it's only going to be expedited. I would imagine the less human contact you have, the better. I think that's right. I mean, as far as the three games, I mean, the Cavs loss was Drummond putting JV in the torture chamber. And one question we asked was also besides the fact that uh, uh, JV or that Drummond had one of the most absurd offensive possessions of all time um, where he like held the ball and like looks frozen at the elbow and then dribbles in and goes for what I don't know. It's supposed to be like a like a hook outlet pass or something or maybe like an underhand scoop shot. And it kind of goes nowhere. And uh, it's been NBA Twitter's had some fun with that. Um, yeah, w- w- Wob came through and ruined the fun, though. So actually, Drummond was trying to drop it off, uh, like lo- a little handoff dish to whoever was cutting the baseline. But Brandon Clark swatted the pass away, thus making it go in the air, looking like Drummond finger rolled it backwards in the middle of the lane to himself. So uh, mm-hmm. Wob kind of stole the fun with that one. You know, that's like uh, that when Kobe is guarding Matt Barnes in the inbound. and Illusion. Yeah. And we saw the actual angle and it's not at all what we thought it was. And I I just refused to believe that I saw that and just kind of like <laughs> pretend like it was like what I used to think it was. Um, right. JV, uh, is he good against good centers is the question that got raised by everybody. Because naturally what we do is we take one game and like kind of try to give this broad like headline about is the sky falling, but it, it's kind of notable. Uh, what do you think about JV and his performance against decent centers in the league? Well, I think this is a perfect example of why we can't take his defensive rating statistic that you mentioned earlier. Uh, you know, it's, we just take it with a grain of salt because it doesn't mesh with the eye test. He had no chance at stopping Andre Drummond. Like, and it's only Andre Drummond. Like, and, he put on a clinic uh, for how to score in the post, and that's why we lost the game. I mean, Drummond worked Valanciunas, and then Larry Nance couldn't miss. And Larry Nance going nine for nine or whatever it is, you're not going to win a game when that happens, no matter who you're playing. But is Valanciunas good? Yes, he is. Can he carry a bad team? Nope. He needs to be around good players to be effective, good players who – can also provide him space to work on the interior. We saw uh, the Lakers just raise hell. Like Valanciunas couldn't do anything. Yes, he's still getting his double doubles, but to me, those stats are kind of empty. I mean, who else is going to rebound right now? Like, he's the only one. <laughs> like there's no one else to grab the rebounds and and really honestly to score points. Like he's got to score 10 or 15 points just because he's on the court and in position to catch passes and lay it up or dunk it and get fouled a couple times per game because you are down by the basket and that's just what happens. So um, it's not, I'm not saying we need to trade JV or anything. Obviously don't think he's our long-term answer with this iteration of the Grizzlies, but he cannot carry a bad team. And when the talent around him is limited, his limitations are exposed. 
So in the Nets game, the very next game, he was pulled at halftime, played a whole half of basketball. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas, the Grizzlies, was pulled for health and safety protocol, which is the code word for COVID shit. Uh, and the, the question was, how the hell did that happen? You know, what what could have allowed him to play the first half? And then suddenly something changed and he had to be pulled in the second half. So there's a lot of questions about how the process works. And honestly, it's still a little bit smoke and mirrors to me. Um, I think like there's, <laughs> a, there's like contract, there's there's or contact tracing where it's like if someone suddenly tests positive that you were around, it gets to the, the team and the team has to pull you because so it's like sort of out of your control is like that is the people you're not around or that you are around, but they're not on the team roster. And so that that, that could have happened. Um, maybe his like girlfriend or one of his kids, right? Suddenly like um, figured out they had COVID and then immediately they're, because they're a family, they have to notify the team and that's where we were. Or maybe he had an inconclusive test. Um, one of the well, three tests he took. I, I don't know. The point is weird. And, and thankfully today he said false alarm. Uh, it was just a scare. He's all good. And he's back. So like he he's not in this ten or fourteen day quarantine he's back, whereas Michael Porter Jr. is somehow getting uh, double down on quarantine he's getting double jeopardy and got his extended for fourteen days. This policy makes no sense. Like how are you going to pull him off the court at halftime and act like he wasn't just in the locker room with all his teammates and on the fucking court playing a game with the other team? How can uh? who was it Tatum they got in, or Bill got in trouble for being around Tatum after the game without a mask when they just played a whole game guarding each other like come on NBA this is it's ridiculous like these policies make no sense it's all smoke and mirrors as you said pulling one person out of a game it, it, he's already been around the whole team and the other team like I yes I guess it limits it then but to continue with said game and continue for for both teams to keep operating like that didn't happen. Like we're, you're going to get to the point where we got today, where a game has to be canceled, and like it did in Miami and Boston. Yeah, I, it's stupid. It's pointless, um, and it doesn't make any sense. But it's kind of like where we are. We're in a ridiculous world right now. And I mean, the safest thing ever would be to avoid all the stupidity. Would be to not even play the season, um, but they are playing it. So that yeah. these. these all these protocols and stuff like, you know, yes, you're right. If they're on the court playing the whole game, they're exposed and like why they have to wear a mask when they're not playing. But I think that's just li- what they can control is what they can control. And so like anytime they can limit exposure, they do it. I mean, and, I, and we've seen too, like whole families, you know, will be in a house together and like one person will get it and the rest of the people won't because they'll, you know, start separating. And I don't know, like it, I get it. You're just trying to limit exposure and it looks silly. It does like that, but that's just the nature of the beast we're in right now. I, I think I'm just let's stop pulling people out of the games at halftime, like and just off the bench. Like let's the tests need to be in before game time or something, you know, like it just seems like it needs to be a little more organized. Like if that guy was in possible contact with someone who has COVID, he shouldn't be on the floor and the tests should be in before that time. So maybe it was just a logistical issue, but it just it makes no sense. It doesn't. Uh, yeah, I mean, the COVID ain't done yet, man. It's back. <laughs> Just um, getting going. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's right back in our lives. It's like the sequel uh, and it's back angrier and, and meaner than ever. And the NBA so far has said that there are no plans to pause the season. They're going to keep continuing and be guided by their medical experts and existing health and safety protocols. So they ain't got no plans to stop. And I don't blame them. Just kind of push through. Um, so far, there's only been two games that have been postponed. You mentioned the Miami game. Reason being is they have to have seven 
or eight active players that are cleared to play, and the Heat had seven. Uh, so they had to postpone that game. Um, so I guess what is that like eight guys on their roster were either positive or contact tracing. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and yeah, I mean, it's the world we live in and we'll see where it goes from here. The Mavs shut down their facility, something that you mentioned too. Um, that might be like a abundance of costs and short of move. Um, we always see Cuban is like one of the first people to do something like this. Um, anytime there's anything like this, like he, is the first person to donate money to the staff that can't work during. He's like the, he kind of like reads this stuff. That's why he's a good businessman because he can project where things are heading. And I think like uh, he always makes moves like this. Um, I don't know if that means the whole team has COVID, but uh, you know, the season's pushing forward. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, really at this point you have no choice. You can't, you can't pause the season and say, okay, guys, Y'all just stay at home and don't go anywhere. You can't put them at, in home confinement for two weeks. You know, they're not prisoners. They're they're employees. Like, your employer wouldn't do that. Um, so, you have no choice but to keep pushing. I mean, we've, we're seeing an NFL game right now where a team is playing without their head coach. Um, so, like you said, it's, it's just a sign of the times. And hopefully sooner rather than later, uh, we, we can get, be past this. Yeah, speaking of past this, Jared Jackson Jr. should be past his <laughs> meniscus tear surgery, um, which he's been rehabbing uh, since he had the surgery, I believe, in August after he tore his meniscus in the bubble, um, I think in the third game. Uh, didn't really look like – I mean, it was one of those meniscus tears where you could still play and operate, and you don't even know you did it probably because of the adrenaline until after the fact. So not one of those – you know, necess- it wasn't like a sever of the meniscus. It wasn't like a, you know, a crazy knee injury, but it was a meniscus tear. We – uh, a track that you being MD Barnburn Slim track that Porzingis had a, a similar surgery. Well, I mean, a meniscus surgery seven weeks after Jaron is expected back a week and a half from now, which is right around kind of when that first tweet went out about Jaron being back. Like, I feel like there was at some point, like some sort of something about, about justice and Jaron being back right around. I mean, Jaron being back around MLK and justice being back, back sooner. Um, well, but it was always that justice was going to be back sooner. There was a yeah. presumption that his injury was less serious. I mean, there wasn't a surgery, so it was just like whatever the rehab from a hip dysplasia is, which it looked pretty gnarly based on my like WebMD shit. But anything you look at WebMD makes it seem like you're about to die like tomorrow. So don't think about that. Well, when we first came into the season, the reports were that Justice would be back into December and Jaron sometime in January, which was so at some point it taken to mean MLK Day. Uh, right around then. And obviously it's we're in January. Justice isn't back. There's no sign of him coming back. Uh, and the team applied for and was granted a disabled player exception because we have so many injuries. And according to reports, that means we don't expect any of our players, including John Morant back until after MLK day. So that's kind of the next timeline or, or, you know, I guess point on the timeline for Grizz fans is MLK day. And then we'll reassess what, what tools we got in the shed at that point. Um, Hopefully the rest of the team can stay healthy and uh, we can continue to tread water and the guys get back and we see what we have, you know, see if this team can make a run and secure a a spot in the play in or even better, or if we're going to be nose diving and (laughs) watching college basketball in the spring. Yeah, I don't know what to expect uh, about the injuries, and there's no transparency and never will be. Not they owe us any transparency, but it's just kind of – it's weird and it always will be, the whole I mean, injury report. 
and, and we'd be doing the listeners a disservice to speculate because we have no idea. No one has any idea. The most informed people around the Grizzlies, uh, the most informed beat writers, there's no not even a hint of speculation really from them other than beyond MLK Day. And and soon, um, soon is the word that's thrown out, which means sometime in the future. (laughs) And and, and, yeah, back soon in perpetuity. And and what makes it even crazier is, um, you know, you mentioned Jaron Jackson was hurt seven or had surgery seven weeks before Porzingis now. Upon further research, apparently a meniscus uh, surgery or removal or whatever is done, there's all different types and it could take any amount of time for you to come back. And we know the Grizzlies are going to be as careful as possible. Um, And then with Ja, he's out on the court dunking and stuff, but apparently he's not good enough to go into the game. I'm starting to think the front office is, is doing the soft tank. I mean... There's definitely no uh, urgency to get their best players back. And like we've got we've had a winnable stretch of games. So you think if the team was really wanting to win, John Moran at least would be back from what we've seen. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, you know, I, I think I, I've, I've called for that being the case, but who knows? I mean, we're in contrast that with the Mavs, too, who want Porzingis back. Like because yeah. they're trying to win now because – you know, Luke is good enough to win now. They were seven seed last year. It took the um, Clippers to seven, six games. So it's like they, they want to play for competitive playoff spots. Uh, so they, they don't want a soft tank or anything unless yeah. they force, their hand is forced. So I think that that kind of tells you the story a little bit. Um, moving to the East, the Hawks. John Collins, uh, you had some tea to dish uh, from the locker room. He, during a film session, out of Trey Young, is uh, not always playing the kind of offense that wins games, doesn't share the ball, doesn't allow the Hawks offense to thrive as much as it should, which some people read to be give me the damn ball more because I'm John Collins and I'm actually like very efficient and good. Uh, as it turns out, I really looked at his stats. Great player. I mean, I know I always knew that, but he's efficient, good, shoots really well from three, rebounds his ass off. Um, that, that's kind of the difference between him and Jaron. He's often compared to Jaron and vice versa. But uh, John Collins rebounds like he's like 10 to 11 rebound a game guy. Um, with the frame similar to Jaron. So he has a nose for the ball more than Jaron, who we woefully think under-rebounds. But Jaron's obviously a better shooter. So they might just be two different players, really. Point being is that John Collins refused a $90 million offer from the Hawks, four-year extension, wants to be on the open market and play his cards that way to see what he gets. I don't blame him, and uh, I think that's where we'll end up. But I think he wants to be balling out in that the contract year, right? So I think he has a money in- interest in saying this kind of thing. But it did kind of open the floodgates for everyone being like, you know what? Now that you say that, John, I kind of feel the same way. And then you have like, um, oh, God, uh, uh, Clint Capella from the Rockets comes down like the wise old sage and like bestows this this tale, this cautionary tale about how Dwight Howard and Harden basically had like a rift between them because Dwight wanted the ball more and Harden refused to do it. So the wise sage Clint Capella came in at, at the white ripe age of 27 and imparted this wisdom down upon the young Hawks team. I think the whole thing's really hilarious, just the inner workings of it and how something like this gets out, how mad everyone got. But it's worth noting the Hawks are 0-3 since that meeting. And in the next game, Trey Young had like seven points and three assists and was visibly sulking on the bench. And that was something that's reported. What do you think? What do you make of all this? What do you make of the Hawks? I'm on the record as I think they stink comparatively to what everyone was telling me how good they are. Um, Bogdan, too, now is is out with a knee 
tear, I think is, is how it's in the, there was a more official terminology given to us. Um, so Boggs is out, not that he was playing really well. So they're kind of getting rattled by injury a little bit. I and mean, what, what do we make of this young Hawks team out there in the East competing for the playoffs? Yeah. And so you mentioned Trey's uh, stinker. He had the game after that. And then he followed that up in a game that they lost to the Hornets with another stinker. So um, not how you want your superstar responding when uh, a teammate accuses him of, you know, shooting too much and the offense really not being the most effective version of what it could be for the team that they have. I'm surprised uh, that they maybe not surprised with the injuries that they have um, because they have been racking up injuries. But at this point, that's not an excuse. Every team, like we said, the Grizzlies haven't played a team without injury issues. So everyone is dealing with some type of injuries, shortened training camp, COVID protocols, whatever it may be. This is one of those seasons where it's no excuses. You just lace them up and hoop with whoever you have. And here's the thing with the Hawks is I like, I actually like Reddish and Hunter, which I don't think you do, but no, no, uh, I, do. I, I like, okay. uh, yeah, I like their wings. Like I, I, I thought I liked picking up drafting wings like that. Like I you yeah. stock those guys, you develop them. Like they're going to either be total bombs. Or they're going to be like really useful guys. And I mean, Reddish was a talent draft and then yeah. Hunter was a like Virginia guy, like, played in big games in the tournament. I mean, he's like the kind, they're kind of the opposites really in terms of culture and like um, yeah. skills, but they, I mean, one of them is going to work out or both. Hopefully I like those guys. Yeah. So uh, they have wings that I like. I, I like John Collins. I don't really like Trey Young's game, but I'm, I'm surprised that they're four and five and I'm surprised that they're having these issues because I thought if they were going to have issues, it was going to be with Rajon Rondo, not wanting to come off the bench or not playing enough minutes or, Gallo saying he needs to be featured more. I didn't expect it to come from Trey and John Collins, um, which seemed to be the two the two cornerstones of their franchise that they were building for. And I definitely think John Collins is on the block now. Um, does he make sense for the Grizzlies? Ah, probably not. But him and Jaron would be fun. Two bigs who can shoot and are interchangeable. Uh, Jaron's probably projects as a better defender. Um, but Collins, like you said, a better rebounder. So it'd be an interesting pairing for Ja to have two guys who he could throw a lob. Man, or, I don't know that that would or sound kick to a three pointer. You know, yeah, like that, that sounds sexy as hell. Actually, having these two versatile big men that can switch on everybody, and I don't know that sounds really awesome actually to me. Um, I mean, I, I realize Tillman's more of the classic guy. Maybe you want next to Jaron, uh, just like the rebounding tough nose guy. Uh, but he's not necessarily like a center either. Tillman's like six nine. Yeah, he's um, small. So. Yeah, so I I don't know I. I uh, I don't know what to expect from the Hawks and what a guy's going forward. The Trey thing, though – oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I was going to get into is how Trey responded to the criticism by his teammates coming out with two stinkers. First of all, Ja Morant, I don't think his teammate would ever say something like that because Ja is always playing for the betterment of the team. Like, he even doesn't score early on in games to a fault where it's detrimental to the team. Um, so I, I just think – the difference between Ja and Trey is Ja is a born leader and the guys just follow him and because of who he is and how he carries himself and how he produces on the court. And I think if, you know, Jaron had said something to Ja like, yo, man, our offense isn't as, as good when you're doing this, Ja would have came out and scored like 35 points and had 12 assists and been like, I'm the fucking man. This is my team. Like, we'll figure out how to work, but don't be leaking shit to the media talking about me. 
Yeah, I, I, I think that's true. I mean, obviously, we're going to favor Ja and Jaren, our boys. But I think it's like I, I really think if I'm really trying to be objective, I really think that's like the difference between Ja and Trey Young, um, even taking like my you know dislike of the Hawks and everything out of it. Um, importantly, too, I don't think Collins necessarily leaked this. Someone no, did. But, someone, but it's not, did. someone did, but it's not. We don't know that Collins did. And in fact, like I would say that he probably didn't because. I mean, I don't think that you're like you would go say this and then because the fingers would be pointed at you. Like, I don't think he would be this candid in a he would have just said this to the media if he was going to leak it. Yeah, I don't really yeah. understand what his like motivation would be to let this get out because he because I mean, he this is a private this is a private conversation in the locker room watching film I and mean, this happens. This yeah. isn't weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yo, th- I, we've got to change something. Like, we've lost four in a row. Like, this right. is not the best version of our offense. And then somehow it gets out to the media. They, they have a lot of new players on the team, so it could be someone unhappy with their role. Maybe someone who's injured and just bored and talking too much, you know, uh, could be anything. Could be Clint Capella since his uh, other personal conversation got leaked. <laughs> like, yeah, he is the common denominator. But, I mean, like, Collins wasn't saying, Trey, you stink. He was saying, like, hey, dude, cool it on the three seconds into the shot clock, like four feet behind the line three before we get into a set. Cause you can get that shot anytime. And by the way, you're shooting like 30% right now. Um, so like, you're not actually making these and it doesn't make sense. Like, so let's like, you can get that shot anytime. Uh, so that it wasn't like a, I don't like your game bro or whatever. Um, Cause he's effective. Uh, well, he puts up numbers, um, I yeah. guess in terms of winning, he's not effective and that's been the knock. So that that's weird. We'll monitor that as it goes forward. Um, in a cruel twist of fate, after I totally shat on them, the, the Pacers are one of my favorite league pass teams because Devante Savonis is, insane um he's like uh, he's basically like if you mark us all if you like chopped off 70 pounds and added just like lean muscle um because he's so skilled at passing uh he can shoot the jumper like 17 18 foot jumper now um he's an incredible screener he's got an insane feel for the game i highly recommend watching the pacers they're super fun six three six and three right now third in the west or i'm sorry east um it's he's really fun and really really good um, so I don't think that last year all-star season was a fluke. I think we're going to start seeing him more. Yeah, and I mean, son of an NBA player, so he's just getting better and better. I haven't had a chance to really hone in and watch the Pacers, but looking forward to when I do because I know Brogdon's been playing well. And, of course, they oh, got my boy. back, too. He looks good. And they got my boy Justin Holiday, who is uh, ever since, you know, that stint in Memphis where we didn't know how to use him. He's, he's been exactly what he's supposed to be, and that's a great catch-and-shoot corner three-point shooter and a defender. Yeah, it's true. He looks good too. Really fits on that team. I think they kind of found a home and a consistent uh, group of teammates that he likes to play with and use them well. Um, Dude, so shout out. A lot of surprises in the East. I mean, the Magic are in fourth at six and four. Uh, right and they've, at- dropped, they've dropped like three straight games too because yeah. uh, Fultz is hurt. So we're going to see uh, the ball go right into the, the kid from North Carolina's hands, right? Cole, Cole Anthony. Yeah. yeah. And, and they're tied with the Bucks, who are currently in fifth. Trailed closely by the Knicks, Cavs, and Hornets, who are all five and five. Like those teams, I would have taken probably near the bottom of the East, obviously. Uh, and then an unfortunate surprise is Washington Wizards, two and eight, and they just lost Thomas Bryant, their starting center, to a what was it, torn Achilles, I think, uh, or ACL, one of the two. Not good, out for the season. But I'm really shocked that the Wizards are two and eight with Russ and Bill. And Beal leading the league right now in points per game at 35. Um, so to picking up right where you left off. Uh, yeah, it, Russ seemed to make he might be a little bit washed. I mean, not I mean, I'm not going there yet, 
you know, but he looks like he's like right up to the gate of the car wash and he's he's put in a couple a couple quarters uh, and he's selecting which wash he might choose. I, I don't know, man. I don't want to bestow that on anyone, but it doesn't look good. Yeah, he's not giving his supporters a lot to hang on to. So uh, that's the East. Of course, the, the Pistons are 2-8, and eight, and Killian Hayes, I believe, is down with the injury. Uh, so that's – He's the season, I think. I think he had, like, a knee injury. Yeah, like, they have really nothing to play for now. They got D-Rose and Blake Griffin. But, uh, yeah, sucks for the Motor City fans. And then the Raptors at 2-6. and six. I, I, I expected them to be bad, but not not this bad. Yeah, Siakam kind of stinks. He, he's yeah. regressed. And, uh, you know, like you, you expect him to come out after that playoff, um, those that playoff loss where they figured him out and all he has is a spin move and he started to get roasted for being an overrated all-star and kind of franchise player. And then you expected him to have an offseason, albeit short, where he added something to his game, but he kind of looks worse even now. Uh, so that's not what you want. I don't know what's going on with him. The rumors is he's like a pretty, like, uh, like a guy that gets affected by that sort of talk a lot. So he he isn't the guy to go the other way and actually get better because of it. He's actually more apt to get affected. Um, and just, you really don't want him as your number one guy on your team, you know, your franchise leader. Um, and, and Lowry's another year older. That is weird though. Nurse is good coach. It's weird. Mellow Ball at his first 20 point triple double. Um, yeah. one of the, I think the youngest triple double in league history. Um, you know, up there with like the likes of LeBron and, the Luka Doncic of the world and all the historic players. Yeah, he's think, a, he looked better than I thought, man. He's a, I, think, he's a, I think Lonzo was the youngest before him. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Pretty damn cool. Hornets are fun. Uh, the, I, I turned them on, too. Um, it really looks like Hayward's kind of breath, breath of fresh air. He likes playing in smaller markets, it seems like, maybe with a little bit less riding on him and the big stakes of Boston, kind of the expectations to win. Um, he's playing more comfortably. Looks good. Um, Melo looks comfortable. He's, you know, flashy. Flashy pass and a turnover, whatever. It's, it, it's fun. It's fun down there. I, I, I'm glad for them, man. Like, I'm having some basketball to watch and root for. Yeah, he, he needs to play more. Play mellow. Free mellow. I mean, you know, Terry Rozier is what he is, and Devontae Graham, they're fine players, but Melo's the future. Free him. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, lastly, in our group thread, and Zach isn't here to defend himself, so I won't go in that hard. But we were talking about um, the uh, the Pelicans and Zion. And then we, for some reason, hypothetically ended up with Zion on the Grizzlies roster. And Zach doesn't think that Zion and Ja would be good together um, because he thinks they wouldn't have shooting. And I don't know if he said they wouldn't be good, but he was pretty down on it uh, in terms of like he was like hating on it um, and taking a position like, I don't know about that, man. Um, and I am here to say like that's completely preposterous and I, yeah. he needs to defend himself. But we're putting it out there right now because he's not here. He just moved to Colorado and he has no internet. That's what he does now. He goes places and doesn't have internet. I will tell you that I, that would be a number one, probably to my fault. Uh, one of my one of the first things that I establish is the ability to have internet in my TV setup at my new abodes. Anytime we do a different domicile, man, gotta have fucking internet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they've been in their house one day and he gets internet tomorrow. So. Uh, you know, it is what it is. But being on vacation for a week without internet, that's the real kicker. That yeah, that, that right. cannot happen. That no, not when you're in the biz, man. Like, we're out here trying to cover the team, uh, covering our favorite team, not getting courtside seats, though. And, you know, like, uh, get internet. You know? I mean, it's basically like, like trying to run an NBA offense without NBA personnel, you know. Sometimes <laughs> you got to make it audible and run the line. 
Like, and get internet on your fucking vacation. Yeah, sometimes you do. Just a nice, easy middle school internet, you know, some easy cuts, some flexes, and and uh, and high post action. Uh, any other thoughts on the young NBA season, the Grizzlies? What do, what do we look like this next week? What is our schedule? Do you have that off the top uh, of your head? Well, one, one surprise is that OKC, once again, doesn't suck. Uh, they won five games already, and I expected them to be at the bottom of the West, so – that's the, really the only surprise in the West. The, the Rockets, you know, are struggling. But uh, for the most part, the West is gone as we expected. I mean, a little variance here and there. But uh, as far as the week coming up on the 11th, which is tomorrow, we've got at Cleveland, uh, at Minnesota on Wednesday, at Minnesota on Friday, and then we come home and play the Sixers on Saturday. Uh, so three winnable games, Cleveland, Minnesota, Minnesota. Uh, and then the Sixers, obviously one of the best teams in the East. So that'll be a tough one, but you, you never know who's suiting up for these teams with, with what's going on today. So, but on the surface, four games this week, three games that seem extremely winnable. Not sure if we'll be favored against the Cavs. I, hopefully they'll have sex land back um, in, in which case they would be favored. And then the Timberwolves are the only team below the Grizzlies currently in the Western Conference standings. I believe they're two and seven and we're three and six. So, but they did just get Carl Anthony Towns back. So they should be favored, I would think, in those two games at home. Um, so, you know, Vegas probably doesn't expect the Grizzlies to win any games, but I expect we should get at least two. Yeah, I was going to say two and two, probably a reasonable guess um, or hope for the season as we continue limping through this in, this crazy NBA season with all the injuries that we have. Uh, any other thoughts as we conclude? Yeah, I mean, two and two would be dope without, you know, your best three or four players. So uh, stay afloat and we'll keep fighting until the guys get back. All right. It's been another episode of the Backdoor Cut Show at the-barnburner.com. Check us out on the web, the I don't know why I said the web, like it's fucking 1997. But check us out on our, our internet site. Also, all of our podcasts are at the Barnburner Podcast Network. Um, you can find us on Apple. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us wherever you typically listen to your podcasts. And we will be uh, back at it next week. Enjoy your week. And um, enjoy 2021, everyone. We're signing off. Back to our cut show. Play bang, man.